0: Being innovative is to disrupt, right? Whether in being creative, an artist is um, disrupting everything he does, really, um, by by nature, right? So, yes, what I I find people interesting when they are different in this world, I I find that's what I'm looking for. That's, that's I think, what drives, and that's what's so interesting in the world. It's not certainly the, the forces that are resisting change that are not recognizing uh, differences um, or trying to uh, suppress them
1: uh, are the one that I'm fighting. Hi everyone, welcome to How Music Charts, where we pull back the curtain on today's music business exploring music industry trends, music data, and creativity that helps your favorite artists hit the charts. I'm your co-host Jason. You'll hear from our other co-host Rutger soon. This podcast is owned and operated by Chartmetric, a music data company that connects numbers to narratives to help the music industry leverage the power of data analytics. Our guest today is Fabrice Sergent, co-founder and managing partner at Bands in Town, where they believe that live music is one of the last tribal experiences which creates happiness and understanding in the world. Their mission is to help artists build a sustainable future virtual live streams, music releases, merchandise, and traditional live events promotion. With the reach of over 250 million monthly active music fans globally, over 67 million registered concert goers, and 550,000 touring artists registered to the platform, Bands in Town offers powerful, scalable, and targeted digital marketing solutions to engage with music enthusiasts. Sergent is an entrepreneur driven by passion, having led hyper-growth digital media enterprises in the US and in Europe with extensive experience in the music industry, digital consumer marketing, brand building, business development, and mergers and and acquisitions. He co-founded and led two startups to $100 million plus in revenues, starting his journey by co-founding Club Internet, the support of Le Gardel Hachette in 1995. Club Internet was one of the very first Internet service providers, similar to AOL in the US, launched in France and later became one of the largest Internet service providers before it was purchased by Deutsche Telekom's T-Online in 2000 for 1.2 billion euro. Today, we'll look back on his road to music, what bands in town is up to nowadays and what the future holds in store for live music itself. Please welcome to the How Music Charts podcast, Fabrice Sergent.
0: Hello, Fabrice. Hello, Jason. Hello,
1: Roger. How are you?
2: We're good. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. (laughs) So, Fabrice, you've had massive business success in your career, which we'll get to. Uh, But I wanted to start with a quote uh, from one of your Instagram posts in last year of January. Beauty is always at one's fingertips. It appears and disappears in the blink of an eye. Like a flower, it can be hard to spot or hiding as a shy and fragile reality, but it's right there. Idle until uncovered, precious and vibrant. Your social media profiles, Twitter and Instagram, they mention, of course, your work in bands in town, but they also mention your love for underground electronic music, jazz, poetry. So for someone who's doing billion-dollar euro, euro deals and and big telecom companies, you know, in, in your history, how does this kind of romantic side of you play a part in how you work today?
0: <laughs> well, I, you know, it's being an entrepreneur, I think, is... Um, some form of being a creative person you have to you have to uh think big imagine um dream and and also um let let the world inspires you because the curiosity in my opinion is is the greatest uh, quality that that uh, drives great entrepreneurs so how does how does all this passion that i have for music or poetry um uh, play a role, a, a huge one. It's it's who I am, and I think that I would not have been able to, um, you know, find some success in in business if uh, first and foremost I hadn't been driven by creativity.
1: So another thing about creativity is that so from the Club Internet, your Club Internet days in the '90s, this this ISP that um, you co-founded. Uh, there's an ad still on the internet about club internet. Have you, are you, do you know what I'm talking about? It's this very dystopian um, advert, whether these, you know, faceless police soldiers are rounding up scared citizens or throwing computer monitors and setting them all on fire. And the tag at the end in French is the most open club of the internet. Can you talk about a bit like how you started that ISP and that, the kind of messaging that came out?
0: Yeah. You know, this, um, this, you know, in the beginning of uh, the Internet, the dream was really to for the Internet to be a source of counterpower and and to bring more education and freedom to people in, in general and globally so that um, it can really change the world by many respects. And not only economically, but also in terms of, um, you know, bringing more understanding to the world. And I believe that's that's the case for live music, but that was even obviously the case. And that was the, the ambition at least uh when the, insta- the internet uh, started to become popular and among consumers so we built this um this company and this brand uh who was one of the very first um as as as, as a challenger as 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 a disruptor in in with the belief that um it's going to be so transformative that um the one who don't like to be disrupted will will try to control it and to kill it. So mm-hmm. in debates today on, on, you know, whether this happened through large platforms and certain very centralized, um, you know, and powerful companies that gain, regain control over the Internet. We can also debate whether Web3 and, and Web3 and, and the new dev- latest developments of the blockchain uh, bring back the initial dreams um, that were underlying the Internet um, inception bring this them back in and to, to life and potentially to to reality um this this uh, at least was the definitely our um, our vision and this this that this ad this commercial was a, a great way to express
1: it it seems like you're a you're a big champion of the underdog you, you're kind of like you enjoyed the uh, the rebelliousness of it Yeah, it's it, look i
0: i think Anyhow, being innovative is to disrupt, right? Mm-hmm. in being creative. An artist, a musician is um, disrupting everything it does, really, um, by, by nature, right? So, yes, what I, I find people interesting when they are different in this world. Mm-hmm. I, I find that's what I'm looking for. That's, that's, I think, what drives and that's what's so interesting in the world. It's not certainly the, the forces that are resisting change that are not recognizing uh, differences um, or trying to uh, suppress them uh, are the one that I'm
1: fighting. Yes, I, it's, that's the, for sure. Mm, well said. So we're about to get into Bands in Town. And I just wanted to first ask kind of what the road was like for you going right up into the beginning of your time at Bands Town. So you spent a lot of time um, in one of the largest, you know, leading some of one of the largest media groups in the world, working publishing magazines, internet, TV, radio, um, another like leading mobile and social application publisher, kind of like that year, let's say, kind of from you stopping that and transitioning full-time to Bansontown. Can you talk a little bit about that time in your life and what led you to kind of go full-on into Bansontown?
0: My co-founder Julian um, Meitelberg and I, we always bounded around live music. this this we we're, we're, we're co-founder of everything we did together, but we're also first and foremost best friends and our friendship really grew around this uh, shared passion for live music since day one. Uh, when we actually arrived in the. US, there was no equivalent to fandango for live music. there was no guide you know apart from <laughs> maybe looking at newspaper and stuff like that, Timeout or I don't know things like that. So it was and and because we were precisely interested in niche music genre, we were not. Uh, it was hard for us to know what, when and what um, you know which artists were were coming to 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 the US, especially when they were, but as, as you said, um, electronic DJs coming from Germany or from Europe. Whatever you know, it was very hard to spot. So we started to. We were publishing apps at that time and we started to think that we would uh, create, uh, as I said, the equivalent of Fandango for live music. Uh, We knew that space very well because we had launched kind of an equivalent to Fandango in France for, for movie listings and concert listings. So we had done that already somehow in France. Um, and so we found an app um that was mostly a facebook app called benzintown um and that had been created in san diego by a very small team um we love the name we love the team and, and we thought it was a good starting point for to to essentially build uh, such a such a project so we 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 acquired uh the app and therefore and we started from there we um, we grew it, um, but that that happened in 2011, so it's about 10 years ago. We launched our mobile apps by the end of 2011 and 2012 because we really believed that this had to be a mobile project. Right, you need to have the guide in your pocket if it if it has to be efficient. And um, yeah, it's 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 we and it grew very very nicely up to the point of becoming um, our focus. And our main activity in 2016 actually.
2: So, how would you describe the vision for Bands in Town? Like, what, what, what world do you imagine Bands in Town helping to create?
0: Well, the the vision is really that um, uh, live music indeed is is one of the last tribal experience. It's a very important source. It's one of the last resorts, in my opinion. Uh, for freedom of speech. It's one of the uh, vital part of culture that brings diversity in culture and cultural diversity, I should say. Um, When when you, if you think about it, if you want to publish a book or or make a film, you have, you know, you're most likely will be selected by a handful of companies that will say yes or no to your project um, and to your message and to your opinions. In live music, that's not the case. In live music, uh, anybody can pretty much can go on stage, um, write songs, and start a career from scratch uh, with not much uh, filter. So the vision is that we we ha- we have an opportunity to uh, bring together fans and artists, um, to help artists being discovered, and to help fans go to more shows, and that this together, all together, contributes to indeed happiness and understanding in the world. Um, when you go to a concert, we, you're you're in a mosh pit for, for an entire night. There's a big chance that you you you're smart. You you get out of the concert smarter and a little bit more tolerant um, because you share the same time. You touched each other. Guess what? You also share the same germs, right? Which we know now. Uh, but that's we are humans it's tribal and so you're probably less intolerant uh, when when you experience a concert than when you stay home alone
2: and do you think that has been that experience has been disrupted especially in terms of like the the tolerance that is promoted by this tribal experience has that been disrupted with the pandemic and do you see it coming back this year? I mean, hopefully.
0: Well, the the um, I think the pandemic proved our case, if I may, in a way that, in a big way. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I would not have thought that the pandemic would, if I, we would need a pandemic to prove that it was such an important tribal experience that people would miss so badly, that people, but, you know, anybody who really um, experienced live music, not, you know, without being a huge fan or very uh, really would tell you that one of the things they missed the most during the pandemic was not being able to go to concerts. That the first thing they tried to book was a ticket when when things came back. So um, before talking about the disruption, I think it was an amazing confirmation that these artists, uh, these amazing humans that jump on stage and put everything they have uh on the table to uh entertain uh, for an hour or two uh, fans in in a in a live setting these artists are really vital to uh everything we are as humans um and that's uh so proving that was was i think probably as important than indeed as an important consequence than um unfortunately the the disruption it, it created
2: and i know you guys have um like brought on some live streaming features as well um do you think any virtual aspects of music can help contribute to that tribal experience or or is it something inherent in you know being in person
0: no it's all typically um the um the pandemic probably forced the artists to pivot to new forms of um, engagement and entertainment with the fans and also forced the fans to explore <laughs> these new uh live streams and you know patreons and other type of you know relationship with the artist than the one they. They were they enjoyed going to concerts in person so that's the probably the second positive aspect of the pandemic and to, you were talking about disruption was uh is is to to have essentially brought or created the situations where artists and fans had to explore and experiment so yes um i th- we we promoted about 1400 live stream we booked 1,400 events during the pandemic. At a time when most promoters I don't want to drop names, but they will recognize themselves, most promoters were not able to promote or did not do anything if they were uh, in capacity. Um, obviously, some were badly hurt, like the independent venues and so on. And and but in general, you know, the the, the industry was pretty uh, idle during that time. We we thought that. Uh, we had to do something. And so we incentivized the artists to list live stream within our ecosystem. We um, created our own uh, Twitch channel quite early um, on March 25th we launched, of 2020. We launched our own Twitch channel to essentially lead by example and show to artists how to live stream. And we also launched um, in January 2021 our own uh, live streaming platform called Benzintown Plus, uh, with a content series that uh, was um, uh, sold on subscription to the fans. So we went pretty far. Um, I'm really convinced that um, this helped uncover that live streaming is an interesting addition to the life cycle of an artist. It's a great marketing tool. Um, and you know, if you talk about the tribal experience, to go back to this thing, it's definitely complementary but if anything, people indeed realize that it cannot replace it. <laughs> it does, so it feels like you know. If you like sports, um, you you can watch a, a game on TV, and and that's great because if you live in New York and you're from LA, you there's no other choice that you can follow your preferred team um, on TV. But there's nothing that's going to replace the in-person experience, uh, and. Uh, now, in terms of um, tolerance and understanding, I guess live stream can bring a lot because, you know, fans can ask. I mean, it makes artists more tr- approachable. Uh, we, fans really like that. to see that artists at the end of the day were in the same lockdown. Um, they were kind of humans. They had the kitchen, they, had the, they, had the, they could see their home. Um, they had kids. Uh, they were not like, uh, you know, fake robots jumping on stage on the TV on a TV uh you know, you know on a TV uh, screenshot. Um but and also they could ask them questions using chat, right? And we we always had interviews after our live streams. We had great journalists um that were always asking questions, picking up questions from the chat. So from that regard, it, I think it brings something. It does bring something. Um, and and that's great because the more we can help Look, going on stage, going on tour is super challenging. Um, artists deserve support and and it's good that we potentially help uncover another way for them to interact with the fans, especially when they're not on tour, for example.
2: All right, so let's get into some numbers. So, Banson Town has 67 million registered users of which more than half a million are artists, and 97% of those are Billboard top 200 artists. So the vast majority of your users appear to be non-artists. Can you talk a little bit about how those non-artists users engage with bands in town and what opportunities that might afford the artists, especially like the smaller artists who aren't the top 200, um, who are active on your platform?
0: Yeah, so, users f- fans really uh enjoy the platform because it's helped them stay um well first of all get the when their favorite artists come to town that sounds something that is uh important uh, it's you know on average before the pandemic 40 percent of the, of tickets uh were unsold um Part of that was explained by the fact that people just didn't know that their favorite artists were, were playing in, in town, right? So this very initial findings that we, we, we've, we've seen in the market you know, since we launched our apps um, was still true not so long time ago. So, But the second thing that we're very proud of is that we because we have so many people uh, registered to the platform, we, we, here we can talk about data. We are um, we were able to create music graph for each individuals that that connected to the platform. In other words, when you log into Benzintown, we ask you to share or sync your Spotify account or your YouTube account or your Facebook account. Um, plus, we look at everything you do, like like if you know if you buy a ticket, if you RSVP to a show. All in all, this helps us create. Who you are, we call it your music DNA. Um, Because we have indeed 68 million actually now music DNAs in the platform, the platform is able to learn from that and to recommend shows and artists to fans. And guess what? 50% of our fans admit that they went to a show of an artist they had never heard before. So it's a very strong recommendation platform. It's a platform that really learns from live... It's a a mix of learnings from recorded music data and learnings from live music. We're probably the only ones that have live music data at scale like that. So the recommendations are usually perceived as being very relevant and efficient. Uh, So fans really enjoy that second aspect as well. Um, And I would tell you also that... we. Over the time, we've been able to improve the recommendation engine, so that um, like three years ago, um, I, I would tell you that 30% of the people going to buy tickets from town, like like we which we push the ticketing companies, 30% were going to um, check artists of less than 100,000 followers. and uh, now. And it was the case right before the pandemic so let's let's say that the pandemic has been like a very weird parenthesis um but now um it's fifty percent so in other words, one ticket click out of two within the benzin ecosystem goes to a very small artist and the reason why is because we recommend these very small artists to fans of bigger artists and we're very very proud of that it's i think it's a it's so if you're a small artist there's a great chance that if you use the platform very well, and I'm going to talk about how artists use the platform, um, if you add the right data inside the platform, if you participate into the platform, uh, we're going to expose you to many more fans than the fans that are following you on bands in Town, right? Uh, and that's, we're essentially doing the opposite from um, what Facebook or Instagram are doing. You know, Facebook and Instagram, if you have a million followers, you do a post, it's going to be seen by 6% of your followers at best, if you don't post such posts. On Benzinton, it's the opposite. If you have a million followers, well, a million followers, it's a big artist, but let's say 100,000 followers, there's a great chance that we're going to expose you a million times because we will show you to fans of similar artists. And that's to that's, 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 so the great benefits of the, of the artists, and particularly the small artists. And frankly, we tweak the algorithm a little bit so that it favors the smaller artists because we see as part of our mission is to really help the the, the artists that need it most um, to be discovered. So so it does help the smaller artists. For the fans, it's fantastic to think that there's a tool that is uh, working at scale and that still can be relevant in terms of music recommendation.
2: All right, so you guys have also some analytics in addition to like the, just the Bands in Town features. How would you recommend artists use their analytics or um, get an understanding of their various metrics on the platform to help them be exposed or to grow their audience base even more?
0: Yeah, so the other side of the platform is really what we call Bands in Town for artists which is indeed a, some sort of a free fun relationship management suite, if you want, so that helps artists ma- first acquire uh, a following, um, and I'll talk about that, manage this following and message and communicate with this following, you know, announcing tours, merch, um, new album, and, and so on. Um, part of the, we, we are because we are so focused on live music, indeed we provide uh, all the artists who have an account, and you, to have an account, it's free, and you can be very, very small. <laughs> and we actually recommend that you create an account very when you're very small, or you can be very, very established and very well-known. Um, you, you benefit from insights and data that we can share, uh, which show one of the things that artists love the most is um, we, we, we share with them where their fans are located, and we enable artists to reach fans directly So they can use our messaging platform and to to, to send emails and push notifications to the fans uh, without paying uh, to their following. uh, So we don't filter as others would. And um, and we give them layers of data to target such communication so that they don't have to blast all the fans with the same messaging. So they can target um, and filter fans by location They can filter them by behavior. So let's say you want to target all the fans that are coming tomorrow night to your show and ask them to come dressed in white. Uh, You can do that. So, or you want to target the fans in Los Angeles that because there's something special that's coming up. um, That's, these are the kind of data that we we provide, which are very, very unique.
1: Yeah, no, so I mean, on that note, so that that part of Bands in Town, the Bands in Town for Artists, you had this program, uh, Big Break. Um, which I found fascinating. Um, I, I was not aware of this before, but it's basically like a, an emerging artist discovery program, um, which I think pretty much it's, it's what you said, but then like almost like on steroids. Could you talk a little bit more about Big Break and, and some of its details?
0: Yeah, I, I, Big Break, uh, we, we created Big Break initially because we, we wanted to create opportunities to discuss how the platform was working under the hood. Um, as we discussed it offline together, it's uh we're helping artists massively and at scale every single day to help to sell more tickets being discovered, et cetera, as I described it. However, they don't know it almost. <laughs> uh they 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 see the output of it, which is that they they sell tickets. And believe me, in some a lot of venues, we we can represent 10, 20% of the sales, and that's not uncommon. Um, but they don't know it. So we, we decided to almost test ourselves. And, and uh, we did two things. One, we launched the town live music charts, which show uh, in 24 markets, established how artists are buzzing related to live music. On, um, and we, we make a difference between established and up-and-coming up artists. So that was the first initiative we took um, we wanted to give the venues an opportunity to check this this chart and potentially um, make decisions on on booking artists based on this chart, especially for the emerging artists. If you look at the New York and Los Angeles, uh, Chicago uh, charts, it's it's gonna show you names that you don't know necessarily, uh, but which are in our opinion worth checking and so definitely worth booking. So that was the, then, so big break is um is looking at the the data set and we're looking at um which artists are growing the fastest in terms of number in terms of engagement followers uh clicks ticket clicks and stuff like that um, within the last 6 months um and we look specifically at artists uh, between 500 and 5000 followers on down. Uh, it's and five thousand frankly when when you when you reach five thousand to ten thousand you're you're a real touring artist it's not so easy to to get to this number um so we look at the data then we apply a layer of curation because uh we have to eliminate you know some some uh weird behaviors and and so on but it's very much a data driven program um we've we've been very um um you know privilege to to help artists uh, get signed by by labels um usually we see stuff before uh, spotify and apple music and stuff because really the is that artists start by touring they start by uh, essentially being on stage before uh, bubbling up into the uh, spotify and and apple music uh, data so they may be picked up by apple up next or or spotify rise or the programs like that at a later stage in their career um and so yeah we wanted to do that we we've um also created a partnership with south by Southwest. so every year we have a big break uh showcase at south by Southwest, and we will have one this year so you if you're at south by you're obviously invited and that's uh yes it's a very important program it's we were able to put on stage uh, great artists and
1: in, in we want to continue to scale actually. And scale you are, because I'm looking at uh, the corporate level kind of Bands in Town website, and there's also Bands in town Amplified, Bands in Town Promoter, and Bands in Town For Good, which I, I noticed in the news recently, you recently announced a F-COVID um, project that you've, you're you collaborating with some other folks on. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, we, we last year <clears throat> we did, um, Launch an initiative. Well, over the last two years, we did a lot to try to help musicians uh, get uh, support and donations. Um, we added a support button on the platform so musicians can get direct donations from their fans. They can promote that support button for free to their following. Um, and that we also, as I said, we helped our musicians and artists um, get picked up by Twitch and approved. Uh, to start collecting um, or become an official uh, partner at Twitch, which helped them collect money uh, if they wanted to launch their own Twitch channel. Uh, that was very, very early on. uh, It was in March, 2020. Um, We collected, uh, we did uh, several music festivals on live streams, donating money to Music Air. And so all in all, we developed a practice where we realize that there are needs and that maybe we can turn the passion and the love of our fans for live music into social good, into social impact. Um, so last year, we, we, we called it Benzin Down for Good. We partnered directly with nonprofits, um, for example, Imagine, Imagine Dragons uh, foundations called the Tyler Robinson Foundation. Uh, we uh, partnered with FanDM, this company that, was, uh, that created a system where if you, when when you um, give, you have a chance to win a, a grand prize that is offered by uh, musicians. Um, and we raised last year about more than half a million dollars. Um, we thought that uh, we could uh, we could scale this initiative. So we just announced this week um, a partnership with Fendiem where and we will do uh, at least four temple events during the year to support great causes. Uh, creating artist coalition and supporting artists or supporting causes that matters to artists. Um, so there will be um, uh, and the first temporal moment is right now. Indeed, we launched this coalition around this uh, F COVID uh, concept with Sweet Relief. Uh, Sweet Relief is a nonprofit that specializes in uh, supporting artists in need, and they they. So we have a, a lot of artists from Metallica and, you know, the biggest artists contributed to this coalition. They will promote the fundraiser. We will promote aggressively the fundraiser. And hopefully we will raise a ton of money for all for these artists that are still suffering from the consequences of COVID.
1: That's awesome. It's, you're really backing up your vision and mission with, with things like this. I think it's great
0: well it's it's so uh, it's very organic um to the teams um they they we we were always concerned about um using technology to 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 create a social impact in in you mentioned france we were the first to launch in fact a website to donate to charities uh, back in the u s we we brought actually this um this uh, test that we did in France, and that was the belief that you could collect money using a mobile phone, like text to give. And we joined um, and developed a technology for a nonprofit called the Mobile Giving Foundation to um, help charities collect money using um, cell phones. Um, So we always try to use everything we could, in fact, uh, to support um, great causes and, and really use technology to to improve
1: society frankly so you mentioned earlier fabrice that um you really want to get into data so i got a data question for you so so for example so what are one of the things that we run into in chartmetric so is a whole litany of various like music metadata issues which if if you're in the sector you're you're very aware of them one of which is you know a song comes out And then there's like 20 covers and then some of them were missing ISRCs, like basically the serial number of a song. And so we got to match them. And then there's artists with different names on different platforms. We got to make sure those people are linked. Is there something about the live music kind of data set that you and your team has kind of like run into over the years that um, has been a unique problem to solve? And kind of how have you kind of gone about that?
0: Oh yes, there's um but that's the big part of what Benz does um uh in, in on the data side is to um create an homogeneous data set of live events. <clears throat> As I said, we, we publish at least prior to COVID, we used to publish about 70,000 events per week. Uh it's two two million plus per year. Um, when we say we publish, it means that artists are adding these events in the benzinton for Artists platform. We also receive data from um, venues, promoters, uh, ticketing companies, uh, various people. If you want, that are uh, submitting events. Um, so we have to um, create an create an homogeneous set of data. We have to to improve also the um, consistency of data across all events, meaning the, everything that relates to venue has to be homogeneous. And believe me, there was no, for many years, I think Benzinton has the best um, venue data set. But there was no da- venue database in the U.S. Um, and venues may have different addresses. They have, it may be the same venue, but two different street names. So this this at scale and globally we do that not in the us but we do that uh, really globally um it's 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 a huge challenge so creating this um this this uh, standardized data set is is obviously very important to avoid mistakes to alert the fans properly etc especially if you want to be relevant for the long tail because you know the first the top artists the top events, it's fairly uh, well documented, and it's. But for the long tail, to really contribute and, and drive fans to what to go see these events, buy tickets, and stuff, it's a huge endeavor.
2: I have another data question before we um, wrap up. Um, are there any, and this is going to be sort of a broad question, but are there any general trends or correlations you've noticed? between maybe like digital metrics, um, be they on bands in town or any other platforms and live music metrics. Because one thing we've um, heard a number of times is that, like, even though, say, for instance, your Spotify monthly listeners, your top city is Mexico City or whatever it might be that doesn't necessarily mean people are going to come to your show there. So I'm just wondering if there are any correlations or trends similar to that that you've noticed.
1: Or the opposite, because we've also had a a talent agent also say, like, you know, there might not be impressive streaming or social media numbers, but then they put out some shows and they sell out within a day. So it could go either way.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, I guess if I understand what you... This type of correlation are indeed very complex to make. Um, especially, we, we, we and promoters and you know are obviously trying to use different type of data to 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 understand such correlation. Um, it's it's not there's no direct connectivity between the the music streaming charts and the, the ability of, of, of an artist to sell tickets and to move tickets. Um, it's really much more about the engagement the artist gets, uh, the type of following that the artist managed to nurture and to, you know, uh, it's about the, um, so it's, it's very complex. It's, it's really not, you can be a, a big streaming artist and completely fail to sell tickets, um, that happens. You have to. You have to find. Um, that's why we are always. We advise artists um, to go on tour, to confront themselves with the fans, to engage with the fans the way as much as they can. You know, some like it. Some don't necessarily like it, and that's okay. But it's better if you are ready to, um, you know, be at the merch table uh, and you know accumulate relationship with fans. Uh, which are greater than just a follow on Instagram. I mean, we are big believers that artists to build a sustainable future needs to own their first party data. They need to, uh, you know, they need to, and we give them tools to do so, but they need to be able to message via email, via phone number, uh, directly their fans. So all of that creates the type of relationship that you need to be really successful in moving tickets and that's, that goes way beyond being um, successful on the streaming platform.
2: Yeah, no, that was a great, great answer. And speaking of um, first-party data, so you mentioned you had some new first-party data features coming out. So I'm wondering, just to wrap up here, looking toward the future, um, what are those features? And how do you envision the next year playing out, both in terms of the importance of live shows, and the role that bands in town will play as the live sector wakes up from hibernation.
0: Okay, so first of all, hibernation is gone. So, so it's the the uh, level of activity we saw in since September, including in the, the last uh, January. So, is is incredible. So, and apparently the entire industry feels the same um there's an unprecedented level of offer and an unprecedented level of demand in this market um probably twice as many artists on tour as in 2019 um and and certainly uh, a huge level of demand on the fan side i don't know how exactly how it's going to play out but our role is to just um help uh, and facilitate uh, ticket sales and discovery and so Yes, when the market is very crowded, when there's a lot of noise, fans may miss their favorite artists. So they they are definitely checking. We see the level of engagement as being very significant. Um, They are checking their bands in town in that context. Uh, It's also important for artists to stand out and to be singular because, you know, there's so much offer that you also compete uh, with others. So we give tools to, we we believe that this um, pandemic taught artists a little bit more about uh, uh, you know engaging with fans, uh, creating all kind of forms of um, direct engagement, and we 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 decided actually to to give them more tools to do so. So we we um, fans can artists can message directly their followers on Benzintown, uh, but if they use our tools, our widget, our APIs our smart links that they can post on social. Uh, they can also collect first-party data. They can collect emails and phone numbers and use uh, the what we call fan manager within Benzintown as a really as a fan relationship management platforms to um, connect with these fans and email or potentially um, uh, text them using, using platform, uh, providing texting. So this, that's the first thing is that we improved um, on our platforms, the tools that enables artists to capture first party data. Uh, We bring them a built-in platform that already has a very large number of contacts. Uh, And we we are also providing now this uh, management platform that will help them um, get insights and and sort out and message better. So we we feel that to build a sustainable future, it's critical that artists do a good job on social media but they are not shouldn't be obsessed and only focused on social media. Uh, they they, need, they definitely need to take care of their own um, and direct the first first party data. so that's the, um, that's in this context uh, you know um, 2022 sounds very promising because artists learned uh, from the pandemic they saw that uh, it has value to be able to directly connect with the fans. They can sell them merch. They can sell them vinyl. They can, you know, they can do stuff. Potentially get donation, and when times come, and if it's difficult, um, we also see in 2022 the market being of uh, a little bit um, overwhelmed, but but challenged at least by new technologies such as Web3. And I, I think we should talk about that. Um, uh, if you want to have a successful uh, Web3 strategy, if you want to sell NFTs, if you want to connect with fans using the blockchains and and take advantage of these new technologies owning first party da- data is, is is the starting point um, it's really that it's an important uh, you know dimension uh and so i think that web3 is going to start to change everything for artists in 2022 and and forward it's a it's a complete new uh paradigm uh so combine, you know this this is an exciting year because the, the artists have more tools than ever to interact with the fans um, with a whole new world that is opening to them uh, with this uh, Web3 technologies.
1: I feel like a lot of the news that we read about in our industry is about NFTs, which I think is kind of like this glorified, very kind of like hype, hype-driven type of thing. But I think from the little I know about crypto tokens which is like another piece of like this web 3.0 thing it, it seems to actually very very much play into i feel like bansen town's vision for like this this organic connection between an artist and their fans like the idea that that there's something that exists that is like a, like a badge like yeah i really support this artist and i want to have a say in you know maybe where their next summer tour is going to be or what their next merchandise item is going to be um i feel like that kind of token that part of you know web 3.0 seems to be almost like a a natural kind of um extension of uh, of a band's time philosophy
0: Well, it's it's uh i think web 3 in terms of philosophy bears all the hope and all the dreams that uh, that that web 1 actually was 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 uh, what's to the world and that some of them obviously did not get um, come to fruition. Um, so yes, it's very organic. Okay, it's challenging. It's new to your point about the NFT suggests that indeed there's a lot of uh, buzz and, and sometimes it can feel um, speculative, maybe could be uh, outrageous for some of, it. but there's, there is, um, don't, you know, this kind of technology, this kind of ch- this kind of changes, will take years to really um, mature and become something you know, like like uh, approachable for the average consumer, right? Um, but don't get um, make no mistake, uh, it will happen at a speed and in a way that is much faster than what people can anticipate today. Um, this usually when it when technology is so complex. So it's, and it sounds like really not consumer-friendly, and creating issues on the environment, and we we know all the underlying issues, which are absolutely and very important. Um, still, uh, technology will overcome that. There's there's, uh, there's enough brain power and goodwill and, and and you know essentially um, people working on it to to solve these uh, initial hurdles that we all see today. Um, so, and yes, artists will, will be able to choose among these tools. And these are may not be the one that are, you know, that we first hear about, right? We to your point, if we hear about NFTs um, per se, the, the, the NFT that exists today may not be the biggest tool or the most utilized tools that artists may use tomorrow. Um, but it's good that they start to get a, um, Know they start to explore, uh, and what's good is that it's definitely something where they can keep a level of independence, uh, autonomy, and um, and control, uh, so that again they build a real sustainable future. It's it's it's. I think that's that's they understood that life is not necessarily uh, as simple and as predictable as as one would think, with <laughs> the pandemic. So. To build a sustainable future, you need to build a real
1: sustainable relationship with your fan. Well said, from someone a technologist who's been through so many changes. Um, so it's it's bandsintown.com. Please check it out. The app is available; has been available um, on the uh, Apple ecosystem and Android ecosystem. Um, Fabrice, is there anything that you want to say to wrap up or direct anyone's attention to?
0: I look, I I'm, I'm um, you know super happy that we've been able to have this conversation. We chart metrics is playing a huge role in, in this industry. Um, and, 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 you know, we, we, we have this partnership with Chartmetrics. Um, we, what you guys are doing is also super important and, and helps greatly the artist makes the right decisions. So I think we're very much aligned in terms of value and vision for this, for, for what the industry needs. Appreciate
1: that, Fabrice. All right, Fabrice. So um, take care, stay warm, stay dry uh, in this New York City weather, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks Jason. Thank
2: How Music Charts is written and produced by Jason Hoven and Rutger Rosenborg of Chartmetric. Free Chartmetric accounts are available at chartmetric.com and podcast notes are at blog.chartmetric.com. You can also subscribe there for additional insights delivered to your inbox right after we publish. Did we mention we have a YouTube channel? That's right. Subscribe for Chartmetric tutorials and tips for indie artists. Follow our thoughts on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all at Chartmetric. That's Chartmetric, no S. That's it. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.